You are listening to the Why I Love Disney podcast. In this special quarantine edition, we discuss the Disney classic, Tron. Are you ready? Let's go. Of course. Welcome to a special quarantine edition of the Why I Love Disney podcast. What's up, David? Hey, Dustin. How you doing? Ramin, I'm so glad you're here to talk about this today, too. How are you doing? I'm doing well. All right. We are here, and we're this our special... The whole idea of this is that you're stuck at your house. You're watching Disney+. Plus. You're not supposed to go anywhere. So David logged 27 to 30 hours of Disney Plus time last (laughs) week. And and we have... Man, we've been pouring... We've been killing the Disney Plus. So we thought it would be fun to take these these things we're watching and talk about them together. And today, this episode, we're going to talk about the classic Tron, Disney's Tron. From 1982, starring Jeff Bridges and some other people. Bruce Boxleitner? Boxleitner? <laughs> who was his name again? Bruce Boxleitner. And who else? Who's, who else is in it? Cindy Morgan. Cindy Morgan. Now, are the, do you recognize those names from other movies? Uh, Bruce, I do. Okay. Because I'm just like, well, Jeff Bridges and the other people. But but you know, we don't want to give everybody their due. I mean, Jeff Bridges, the dude, right? And and, and his most recent one of my one actually a really good movie, Hell or High Water. Have you seen that movie? Where I, haven't, I haven't seen. He's it. a sheriff in, in Texas. Oh wait, I have seen it. Oh dude, it was killer. It was really. It was good. nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Jeff Bridges is like an incredible. Has he won an Academy Award? I should have researched this before. I don't think he so. should have had he not. But he's a iconic. I think an iconic you know, actor um, through the decades. And this is kind of. I don't know if he did anything before this or this is. I'm sure he had. He was in his early 30s when this happened. But 1982, Tron, I think he's the most memorable piece of this. He plays a character called Flynn. And so this movie, what, first of all, let me ask you, did you enjoy, had you seen the movie before, David? I, I have, but it's been a long time. Okay, me as well. I'd seen it a long time ago, like a long time ago, and remembered very little about it. Just kind of the basis of this plot line. Ramin, had you ever seen the movie before? I hadn't seen the original one. Okay. No. So... This you're new to Tron. We are watched it again, but haven't been a long time. Did you enjoy it? I did. I think I enjoyed it more now than I did before. Okay. Uh, I think it was. I enjoyed looking back. Uh, the it's very '80s, and it was it was more nostalgic looking back on it now than when I watched it before. And it was kind of like uh, it just looked dated. Now it now it seemed dated. Kind of in a good way, like when you go back and watch way. when you watch another classic from the fifties or sixties, it looks like what it looks like. It's time. So you didn't see it kind of when it first came out. I did. Like first, I did. You, I, I, and you felt it was dated then? No, when oh. I when I saw it the first time, yeah. I just thought that it was, uh, you know, I was trying to understand it. Okay, that, it probably went over my head That's a little bit. I did see it again at some point and kind of thought. You know, later on DVD saw it and thought, well, it feels a little dated, but yeah. So my first, when I first saw it, I was probably in elementary school. You know, okay. when Disney, you go to rent the videos at the video store and you get it one time because it looks cool. And I remember, I remember one of the thoughts being, it was hard to get through for me and hard to understand as a kid. Right. Um, and so there's a lot going on. The storyline, everybody's kind of the way they're glowing. It's sometimes hard to differentiate characters. Yes. And and, and even uh, the the light cycles, like who, who was oh, that? Yeah. What, which one was that? The colors. Sometimes it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. To tell what's even going the on. scenery it gets kind of uh, disorienting. Mm-hmm. Like you can never really quite get a feel for the whole like sense of the grid and things there. Like you don't quite understand. Sure. So I was like you. I rewatch rewatching it. Right. I really enjoyed it. 
And what's fascinating, I watched it with my kids. They really liked it too. Now, that, I did find that really interesting that 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 they that they stayed with it all the way through. Now they had me with them, and we I, there were several times I paused it to explain to them what was happening. Um, so that might have helped a little bit, but they did not lose interest at all, um, which I thought was interesting. But kind of goes to what we were we were saying. You know, when we were younger, we kind of had those same sort of sort of thoughts. Well, when I saw it the first time, I really, I wasn't into games that much. So there was a lot that I didn't really, just probably the science of it all and the computer uh, jargon. I probably didn't really understand what was really happening going, who is that? Is, is he real or is he a computer character? And even that, even this time watching it, I was a little confused sometimes. Like, do they know that they're computer game? You know, it was right. still a lot of, I still have a lot of questions. Yeah. I even listened, I even watched it with the audio commentary. Okay. To go back through and go, okay, just to hear the, hear the directors and the writers talk about it so I could get a better understanding. And that did help. That's that awesome. Ramin, did you enjoy it? What'd you think? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It is shorter too. It's only like hour, 36 minutes yeah. runtime. So I, you know, pretty quick, relatively. Um, and I did enjoy it. It was kind of interesting watching it, having watched Tron Legacy. You saw that first. first. Yeah, okay. definitely. I had watched that first. And then, um, so going back, it was really interesting to see um, all the references Legacy pulled from that I didn't know about before. And so I was kind of picking those out as the movie went, um, which was pretty fun to do. So I, I liked it a lot. Awesome. And I think, too, we were talking a little earlier. You said you went back and found some old reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were some of the original reviews like? Well, Roger Ebert had given it like four out of four stars. Okay. It, it actually had some really good reviews because, uh, and this is another interesting thing, that in the audio commentary they talk about at this point in Disney, by 82, it was so difficult to get a headlining star to be in a Disney movie. Now, Splash is going to come in just a couple of years. Right. It's going to flip everything around. But at this point, the the brand was not seen as, is this, you know, is this something I really want to do? So the fact that they even got Jeff Bridges and these guys was probably, a, you know, a big move. And and it, it actually did pay off creatively because the, the critics actually gave it, give it very good reviews. But I think box office, it, it still wasn't considered a huge success. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. I and, and now that you say the critical reviews, I sort of get that because I felt when you put yourself back and say, okay, it's 1982 when this comes out. Mm-hmm. The world in 1982, most people did not have personal computers at that point. Actually, I don't think personal the personal computing industry was just sort of being, I think Steve Jobs was still in, and Bill um, Gates were still in their garage at that point. I think you're, you're a couple of years away. By, by 84, 485, I think you had start to have, yeah. yeah. But the idea to people, it, it, it still was a novel con. It, it, only businesses had computers. They were familiar with computers in term and a very. And again, I say this. I was three years old in 1982, so I don't have no direct frame of reference. I just, um, I can imagine this comes out, and it's so full of technical jargon and and things, and it it, it touches on. Um, what it's like if you AI now our conversation is, is would be around AI and what artificial intelligence I and mean, can you make a program that gets so smart that you know you can't control it anymore and there's all sorts of um, derivatives of that in in cinema and on te- television but this is kind of the first of that really right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you say crit- a good critical review I understand because the story itself was probably where it's kind of done and told many times now was right. sort of new and novel. To the time and 
you, interesting you mentioned the crit, the box office. You can also see how it might have went over the heads of a lot of people. Well, I think about older older adults at that time and and the parents of teenagers who were playing these games. It it meant video games really meant nothing to a lot of people. At What's that point. interesting? I was just doing some research on okay, 1982. What were what were out there as far as video games? You were within a decade of Pong. Pong was 72. That's like the first Atari. And, and as far as arcade games, Pac-Man was 1980, I think 1981. I think you said 80. 80. Donkey Kong was 81. So, so these games are only one or two years old. This is a brand, the whole even arcade, the up the upright, punch the buttons, move your guy around, arcade video game culture was right. brand new. I think that even, even the idea of Flynn's arcade... Yeah. Like you would have known about what these things were, but every town still probably did not have something like this. There were a lot of probably a lot of teenagers that still had not played video games at this point. Yeah, it wasn't until later on. I remember I, my first experience with video games. Probably, other than my dad having it in television, I think he had like the cartridge in television game that. I mean, we might have had an Atari when I was a little kid, um, but I remember going to Pizza Hut after in a local little town in Florida, and you had the kind of the tabletop Pac-Man game. And then you had the joust game that was kind of an upright. And that was, that was it. Those are the video games in town. You go to, you go to pizza hut or the pizza place to play some video games. Um, but yeah, the arcade, you know, to go to a place where there's all these arcades, now, it didn't take long before Chuck E. Cheese, you know, is, is there and you're in, I mean, very soon after, and you're playing all these games and putting quarters in and that kind of stuff. But I can imagine in 82, that it's just sort of like this whole new concept of computing, of kind of technology, video game culture, all merging. Maybe would the term ahead of its time fit here? I, th I think so. It's kind of interesting as we talk about that because I was remember watching in the movie, I was like, he this leading software developer goes and starts at arcade. Like I was like, he kind of fell off the map. But it sounds like maybe that would have been a lot harder to do than I was realizing watching this kind of retroactively, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's an emerging technology? And I just think that part of this makes it interesting to talk about now, 30 years later. We're approaching 30 years later. Yeah, I found this quote. Let me read you this. Uh, Roger Ebert, I, I don't know if I said it right. It's four out of four stars, not four out of five stars. Okay. And it says, a dazzling movie from Disney in which computers have been used to make themselves romantic and glorious. Here's a technological sound and light show that is sensational, brainy, stylish, and fun. So actually, he actually makes uh, uh, comparisons to Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, he said, this movie is a machine to dazzle and delight us. So that's, that's pretty big reviews. Yeah. And I could, you look back to, and it feels nostalgic. It feels super 80s, right? The soundtrack is super, is way digital. All the, the kind of the graphic design of it is very, um, you see a lot of this now in pop culture, just kind of this throwback to, to that sound and that look. And so to see how it was originally done is really kind of fascinating to me um, too. But I, 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 I think, deal with that. I think another interesting thing about this review is that several other, other movies that we've watched lately, like Apple Dumpling Gang, he only gave like two stars and basically says, this is Disney doing its normal. They were, everyone was waiting for Disney to break out and do some new things by the eighties. It really has, has slowed down. So there, 
this was probably a breath of fresh air to a lot of people, especially the critics. So the story itself, you start talking about these these characters. You have the character Alan, who is the, so you have this this company called Incom, and they're this giant behemoth, and they've and he Jeff Bridges has has correct me if I'm wrong as I'm kind of blurting this out, but um, Jeff Bridges has. Who's Flynn, this, who's Flynn right. in the movie, um, has created this program and this, his partner, or, or was Dillinger his partner? Dillinger's the, is the, is the senior executive vice president of income. But at some point what, uh, they were partners, right? They were kind of even. Form, and then, former yeah, co-worker. He, he came on, yeah, as a, as another developer. Um, less talented, less but somehow talented. stole. He took all and took credit for it. And that's how he's promoted through the ranks. And eventually makes his way to that. In fact, in the position. in the little in the little blurb, it said he used the MCP to steal Flynn's work and pass it off as his own. MCP meaning the Master Control Program, yeah. I think, is what they talk about. So yeah. this is like the brain yes. uh, of the whole thing. And so early on, they're really even talking about who who's the creator, who owns this. I think that in the in the audio commentary of the of the movie, it talked about there was this sense back then that the big computer corporations were going to take over everything. Yeah. And so these individual programmers and creators, it's kind of their their take on what could happen if everything goes That's wrong. That's fascinating. That whole argument of Flynn representing the decentralized, free-to-everybody right. internet. And I think Legacy, actually, Tron Legacy, it explores that even more because it's more contextual now. I think that's actually... So you, you, now you, the conversation would not just be around computer companies. It would be around Facebook. It would be around all the, the oh Googles, the people that are collecting your data that they control it. Those but the same conversations exist. Is right. it is all the centralized information versus a decentralized platform and Dillinger and the corporation represents this we will own it all and we will control, right? Right. And there's very kind of dystopian, um, um, Orwellian kind of big brother we will know and control all versus the Flynn character who is more freedom decentralized, I wouldn't, I want to say the internet, but it's not the internet. It's the information right. to where anybody can access it. I, I make, I, they do compare it to the internet and the audio commentary. They, yeah. they, they do make comparisons to that. But because I, even the internet in its early days, there was a big battle who of whether it? who owns it and who's going to control it. Right. Right. And then what we found was it's way better if no one controls it. Right. Um, you can build things on it and it takes really big minds to kind of think through that because the old way of thinking, I think is what they're implying here is that you want to own it and control it for yourself and, and monetize it. Mm -hmm. Whereas to think bigger is to just give it away and then let people build on the platform. And in 1982, these conversations, that's a pretty big, it's a big conversations to have that have been going on for decades now, but my, they've been going on my entire life. So I'm not unfamiliar to this, but I can only imagine someone, a regular 30, 40 year old, guy going to see this in 1982 trying to get his what what what, what, are, they, what are they even talking about you know um right. I, and i could be wrong but that's just sort of my my take on it i remember my dad really liked this movie oh he really i remember growing Your dad's, up he, he, he's always liked tech though so yeah. that makes sense too i don't know that i don't know that my dad would have been a big fan of this you know my dad wasn't a big fan of star wars okay. i remember that vividly as a kid when it came out like my dad he loved a lot of things like close encounters he loved but like the Star Wars, all the characters, the R two D two, C three PO, he thought he thought all that was very childish hmm. and geared towards a, a younger younger generation. Interesting. So this this master control program um, kind of takes over, 
and he's partnering with Dillinger, but at, at some point in the movie, Dillinger, it's, it becomes apparent that he no longer is controlling the master control program. This master control program is controlling everything, and I think he even blackmails Dillinger um, because he knows the truth that he had um, stolen right. the intellectual property that he hadn't actually created. But what he doesn't... Um, so they, they break in to the, the place, and I, the laser, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids laser, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. behind him, and he's he's breaking into the thing, and I don't think he really knows what's about to happen in this master control program as a defense mechanism, sucks Flynn into, into the program, mm-hmm. which is manifested in this world of a video game right. of some sort. And then... My under- and again, this is it's, it's complex. Like this isn't a simple thing. And you guys, if you have another take on this, correct me if I'm getting this wrong. But in the context of that video game, it's the master control program working to eliminate his enemy, which is the user Flynn that he right. has sucked in. He's trying to destroy the one person that can undo him. Right? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. And he's doing that through these series of of life or death video game situations. But what he doesn't um, bet on is that this guy is the creator of this program and is also a pretty dang good video game player himself. And he knows how to, so he finds himself very good at this. And there's this dichotomy of, of he interacts with the, the programs within the game, which is the interesting part that gets confusing is they're doppelgangers of, the Alan and and um, Yori and Yori um, in real life. Yori is a. I'm sorry. Is a doppelganger of Lori. Lori. Laura. So Laura. Laura. Laura and becomes, Alan yeah. and their doppelgangers <laughs> in the program. That was are one of the things that Tron confused me. Tron and Yori. And that that definitely confused me the first time. And even this time, I kept trying to figure out: Do they know that they're in? Are is is Tron Alan and are they just played by the same person and? I was, you know, Flynn seems to know he's Flynn, but the others don't seem to know who they are. So I was a little confused by all that. Yeah, and I think t- t- And when I- she kissed, like, I thought she was, uh, that Laura was with Alan, but then in the game she seems to be attracted and I think kisses Flynn. So I was like, at that point going, I don't, I'm not sure how this parallels. Yeah, and I think before you get that, you, you find out that they were actually, like, they had dated at some point, Flynn and and Laura. Right. And now she's with Alan, and she brings Alan to find Flynn because they're going to, you know, try to break in and do this stuff, right? And so in the game, now, my understanding is, is that Tron, who is the doppelganger of Alan, and Yuri, who is the doppelganger of Laura, they do, they're programmed still. They're just right. kind of... The, the the program essence of these people outside that are still trying to help. So they don't know Flynn, right? Flynn is a user, the actual user who is sucked into the game. So he has all the knowledge of outside and the real world bringing it into the game. So he, I think, is putting together that, oh, you're the manifestation of Alan, you're the manifestation, you know, and so all the kind of kind of sticks together. Right. But it is confusing because it's not spelled out for you. And right. the way they look, they look so um he doesn't have his glasses on. Right. So it, sometimes it's very it sometimes it's it's hard to tell if that was Flynn or Tron. You're right. I completely agree. Because and then, they, they can look a lot like with their you can't see their hair. They're completely they're just in the, their face. The suits and unusual lighting. So sometimes it's hard. It it is hard to tell them. And I, one of the here. things in the audio commentary that it also mentioned was that they originally envisioned that Flynn's character would be played by someone younger and a little less athletic and more, you know, typical computer guy. 
and that uh, that Alan's character was going to be played by someone a little bit older. So in in the computer realm, you would have seen them different, but they ended up being a lot more alike in real life than they originally intended. So made it a little bit tougher. Well, I I kind of liked I kind of liked Jeff Bridges like at, like who he was in that film. I actually think that's maybe one of the reasons it worked for me. Right, because like oh I want to see this guy. I want to see how he does here because uh, you know he's he's got. A, large aptitude for, for the games. Like he's he just seems gifted, talented, and he's that free, you know, like just character. And so I was really ready to see how he just gets unleashed on, on the grid. And uh, yeah. versus I think if it was a more timid kind of clumsy guy, at least me personally, I would have been maybe even frustrated with that. I'm like, Oh, this guy, like, yeah. come on. So, so you even have the added element of that. They have to figure out how to, how he's going to get out of this thing. Like how now, what do I do now that I'm here? And, you know, that's not apparent at first, right? And as he goes, they communicate, he communicates out, which is an interesting scene there. And, and they have like the, it, honestly, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Monty Python, <laughs> you know, the, the way the guy looked and uh, the Holy Grail, you know, uh, just sort of that. It wasn't as funny as that, but it was a little bit, I don't know, echoed a little bit of that. There's a little echoes of Star Wars in it too. Right. Um, it, but, you know, he communicates out, gets what he finds out he has to go, you know, to the- Master control? The master control. He has to go find- make his way to this place mm -hmm. and and it's not an easy journey and there's things out trying to get him and and ultimately this kind of it's kind of to escape will also mean that he has to ultimately destroy the master control program or, or reprogram it or mm -hmm. you know whatever it is and ultimately of course that that happens right. and you know he finds himself back out and and everything dillinger is exposed and everything is back the way it should be overall i thought i, it, I thought it was Again, I thought it was it moved well. I thought it was fun. I thought it would. The, the, you don't realize now watching it again the conversations that are sort of um, all centered around. They're the same conversations we're having now, just in different right. contexts. Um, but even the whole AI thing, you know, the people like the Elon Musk that are sounding the alarm bells about we should be fearing AI more than anything. Um, you know, eventually it's going to be the, the end of the human race as we know. And I, I probably don't believe that, but the same idea that you find him in this predicament that you don't think he's going to get out of because he's going up against something that I think the, the, the master control part even tells him he is now 2000 times yeah, whatever, more. right. Smarter than he was even, you know, and is just training and getting smarter every time. And how are you going to overcome this? Right. And so all these are interesting, interesting things to, to talk about and to think about in this. And, and so, I think one other th one other thing that was a little confusing to me is that the whole time it's called Tron, mm. but he was not necessarily the main character. Yeah, right. So that kind of threw me off. So you keep was it thinking, called Clue? Yeah, it wasn't or Flynn or it was just yeah. It was like you would have you would think that the main character's name would have more, you know. Yeah, even Tron Legacy was that way. The, yeah. The, it, yeah, Tron was kind of this uh, side character, kind of mysterious in Legacy, you know, like you don't really know him. He's called uh, by a different name even, and you don't find out he's like Tron until a little bit later. Um, yeah. So yeah, even in the newer one, um, I, he played a much bigger role in, in, the, uh, in the original. Yeah. So anyway, very interesting. And uh, I thought when he, uh, when he died, when Tron died, sorry if you've, this is, if you've not seen it, uh, might want to cut that out. Uh, I didn't. Uh, it was made in 1982. I didn't. Uh, I didn't understand why. Oh. I didn't know why he. It was just suddenly it happened, and then you're, you know, they walk. The two of them are alone. So I was a little confused by that. It seemed kind of anticlimactic. 
for such a moment. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. How, how long did you say the movie was? An hour, 36 minutes. Yeah, that, that's, you know, you didn't have two-hour blockbusters in like, back then. So it probably could have used a few more minutes to explain some things. I think so, too. It would be different today. Yeah. I'm on here researching why it's called Tron, and there's no good answers. They uh, on the audio commentary they said uh, some people thought I guess there's a term called trace on, and so that was some trace on trace off. Some people thought it was that. I mean, I was totally on, making that <laughs> making that up. It was something this tr on tr off. Okay, and uh, but they said no, it, it had nothing to do with that. They didn't even know that phrase when they gave him that name. Well, on a scale of how many Mickey R's, stars, <laughs> what do you normally say? Mouse ears. <laughs> Why don't you start that? It, it, it's got to be in proper context, I think. Like, um, you know, no, 1982, I, I actually, I'd probably go, I'd probably go a four, a nice 4.0 out of five. It might um, be a few points lower than anything else you've scored. Yeah, I mean, it's not like super rewatchable to me. I get the significance, and I thought it was it was way better than I thought it was going to be too. Mm -hmm. Like I was su surprised how much I liked it again the second time. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say four. I have a lot more to think about with it now that you're a little older and have more context. Mm -hmm. um, I found you know watching it as a, a ten year old just didn't resonate with me, but watching it now. Um, it, I appreciate it a lot more. Those conversations, especially appreciating that at that time, they were kind of breaking ground in all of these fields and really having same, the same conversations we're having right now, just in other contexts. I think it's pretty fascinating. And, and I thought it just looks so stinking cool. And there is something magical about that, that time that's so 80s. It's so retro. It, it, it wasn't. That was what it was, right? It's probably what we look at as retro now. When we think of the 80s, you can see the kind of the glowing Tron scape, right? Um, you can see those those pink grids. You know, you see those um, those what do you, what do they call those tank things that they're you know that they're moving around in those M-shaped tanks. Mm -hmm. That's what we think of when we think of the 80s, right? And so, in a way, was Tron this movie the thing that defined the decade for us? Because mm -hmm. even now, we're like when we draw the 80s, we draw something that looks like that. It, it sounds like that. Um, it's, it's so I, I gotta say, I, I, I'll give it a four, 4.0 just for, I, I probably could give it a little high, but I, you know, I, I gotta be fair. And I think that's yeah. a good score. Yeah. I think since I've given, I've given some other movies we've, we've watched fours, I'll go just a little bit lower and say maybe like a three, eight. Um, I give it, I you know I would definitely give it a four on innovation and being ahead of its time and the graphic look of its time because I know it was so far ahead. I think the story just the not under being confused about a lot of things about the story maybe give it maybe a couple of points less so maybe three eight. Yeah, that's fair. where I am. It's fair. I think the novelty of it was pretty enjoyable for me. Um, and then again, there's just a lot of confusing like details kind of skipped over like the laser that digitizes everything, like what a huge component. And you really just don't get any sense or feel for like that at all. Um, and then of course, um, yeah, no, I think I probably give it three, three, eight as well. Somewhere in there. Awesome. 
Well, we'd love to know what you think about this. So we, we love Disney because we have all of this content we can pour into. And, and it's so fascinating that you get everything from the Apple Dumpling Gang and Old Yeller to something like Tron. And, um, but we'd love to know what you think. So let us know. Contact us at our website, whyilovedisney.com, on Twitter, whyilovedisney1. And we'll be back soon with another quarantine edition where we'll talk about, I don't know, the parent trap next. What do you think? That'll be a great one. Or the Apple Dumpling Gang. Or who knows? Who knows what we'll see next? But um, until then, we will talk to you soon and hope you stay safe and stay well. I've got another question. Yeah. Did it, uh, did you guys have any Star Wars overtones as you're watching it? Did you feel, did you ever feel like Flynn and Tron and uh, Yuri were, you know, it's, and- it's so funny you say that. There were two, two, there was a moment where it was something in the soundtrack. I, I definitely thought that too. There were a few times I thought there were melodies that were, not not exactly, but just reminiscent. Of- it felt like um, John Williams and the the de- the de- Death Star march, kind of like the, especially. It felt um, the in the darker parts. Mm-hmm. Some of the soundtrack felt Star Wars esque to me, and it actually clicked that in my mind. Right. The other thing is now that you say that there is a strong. You think of of Yuri, Tron, and Clue. Right. Um. In in the movie, a very you know Jeff Bridges character reminds you a lot of. I thought early on, like he reminded me a lot of Han Solo. Han Solo, and then you get the just his swagger and yeah. his personality. Yeah, Tron maybe a little more Luke. Went to, and then you got the Leia character, the 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 Han Luke and Leia connection between those two. I, I could see that. I and, think it's and Han's kind of the uh, rebel of the group, and Flynn's kind of that. He's kind of in the, you know, he's he's outside of the the corporate. Yep. You know, absolutely. Um, I think I, I think those vi- and again, if you're looking at something to pattern that's been a success in 1982, that's not some bad characters to kind of, kind of. And it, again, I think they're it's vague. It's not yeah, like I don't think it was overt. intentional. I just yeah. think it was something that was like, ah, uh, it kind of. I mean, that would have been like how many? Like five years later, yeah, 77. Well, you have 82. Empire. I think came out in was let's see, it was 77. 80 and 83. Right. So you already had two of them out. Right. And you had you know, the Harrison Ford Han Solo character, very cavalier, the hair flowing. I think Jeff Bridges definitely gives that vibe, probably more so um, than, than the other two. But I totally see that. But it's not a bad thing. I think most mo- swashbuckling movie. It's funny, you know, though, that you, you, you picked up on both of those the exact same things that made me feel, think of Star Wars. Yeah. It was the music and his character. And then suddenly seeing the three of them together, it was like, ah. It's very similar. And, and in no way did I think it was like, I didn't think it, it didn't strike me as, oh, they're ripping Star Wars no, off. No, no, no. It was no, very no, subtle, yeah. but just sort of like, just familiarities, you know, right. that that were there. I think these are probably like the relative, like, overtones, of like culture at the time, yeah. you know, of speaking to people and kind of what people generally thought was going to be, I don't know. Which like is the, exactly what good art should do. Mm-hmm. It should take echoes of things that don't feel like a ripoff, and, right. and, and nothing's new. There are lots of char- uh, movies where there's three characters working things out together. It's right. just probably was the music 